Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Well, guys, what is going on? Welcome to the Foolishness Podcast. This is Brian Sumner. I hope you were blessed with the last few episodes. You know, Dominic Bali jumping into his career, how music shaped him and the Lord led him. And for Justin Unger, Scott Cunningham, that relationship between pastor and worship leader, how do we walk in unity like that? And so today, the topic is kind of going down the same route, where we're looking at the church community, we're looking at pastors and their journey, their mission. We're looking at the congregation. And so in all of that, as I was online, you know, as we are online, we can't hate being online. I mean, people read newspapers. We're on our phones. I get a lot out of that. People around the world, it can be an idol. But as I was just online one day, I saw my brother's feed, a pastor, and he was posting things. And I just said, hey, I can hear this. I can feel this. There's so many young ministers or old ministers that are burned out. So I said, Darren, how do we get on a podcast? How do we jump on and talk? And so here's here today. Pastor Darren, how are you doing? Thanks for being here. Oh, I'm I'm doing great. It's really great to be here, Brian. I'm really glad to reconnect with you. Amen. This is awesome. I it's, love what you're doing too. It's so fun. I appreciate that because it's it's been years and so people understand. Um, I feel like ministry is sometimes almost like the skate career. You know everyone, you meet everyone, but we're all doing so much. And you have yeah. been someone that really upped the whole of the West Coast. Um, different kind of pastors, you know, like Todd Proctor and John Mark, Bill Doctrine. I mean, you were mentored by Don Williams, right, of the Vineyard? Yeah, yes. We're all connected. Yeah, it's it's a small world. I feel like when you get into ministry, you don't realize how small the world it is. And then when you start having shared vision, shared mm-hmm. values for what ministry sh- should look like, Amen. that that world gets even smaller. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's awesome to reconnect. So when I thought of that, when I seen that, I thought, here's a guy who's young enough but still faced enough battles. Many of the listeners are excited about ministry, banned out in ministry. So I guess to lead into really what you're doing, though, you are the church planter, lead pastor of the Garden Church in Long Beach, which already, guys, that's eclectic and diverse. You are a husband. You are a father. So unpack a little bit about yourself for a few minutes just to catch yeah. us up. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, basically, I, I came back to faith at 17. Um, mm. At UCSB, I, I had an encounter with God at Jesus Burgers in Isla Vista, and then I came back to Costa Mesa. Um, I, I stumbled into a church called Rock Harbor at 17 years old, 18 years old, and then started going to Vanguard University, where I felt called to ministry, which was a huge deal. Like leave, mm. l- leaving my passion, which was acting, um, it was like a major shift. It was very hard. I mm. pursued that route, um, and I had. Essentially, I, I met my, my wife there. We were young. We started dating when we were 19 and 18, got married really young. Mm. Um, but I, I got hired at Rock Harbor after I graduated college, and I was on a trip to India. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit in London. That's the only way I could say it. Mm. I had a radical encounter with God. My yeah. life changed from that yeah. moment on. I was 22 years old. The next day, we were on a, you know, a train. We took <laughs> a couple flights to get to India. I was on a train in India, and I heard God say, plant a church in Long Beach. And I was living in Newport Beach. I, and I, you know, mm. I had no desire to lead a church, no desire to plant, no desire to do, to leave Newport for that matter. Mm. And we just, I guess my whole journey has been just obedience to the Lord. 
and uh, following mm. his voice. And so in 2008, my wife and I left um, Rock Harbor to launch out of Rock Harbor. They, they, we were their first church plant. And we moved to the city of Long Beach, which was very different. At the time, it was like the second most diverse large city in the United States. So yep. very different from where we were contextually. And then I, um, we started church. It was her and I and one other person. And then it mm. was you know, 12, 15, back to t- 10. And so for the last 14 years, we've gathered for 14 years. We just celebrated 14 years of gatherings. Wow. Um, we've been leading a church. We've, we've planted churches. Mm. But more than anything, you know, we started really young. And I think in general, when you're young, doing anything, a lot of what is formed is your identity um, and not having a solid identity, identity leading mm. a church is going to create all sorts of problems, which we, we, we endured or we, we confronted or we <laughs> experienced. So, yeah, yeah. So I have two boys. We homeschool our boys. Ezra's nine. Amos is five and a half. Yeah. He wants to make sure you, he's, you I include the five and a half. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> been married for 15 years. So I know I just seen recently that you'd baptized your son Ezra. How was that? It was, oh, it was so amazing. I mean, as a dad, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, what, what can you, <laughs> what can you hope for? And it was all initiated by him and mm. just this journey. So once he shared that, I was like, okay, I'm going to take you through this process. I'm going to walk you through this. And mm. as we walked through it, it was all him. What was so exciting though, because he had that initiation, um, like four of his friends ended up getting baptized as a result. They, they, they were like, Hey, as doing this. So it became this other thing where it was really fun. So a lot of my close friends who we've been parenting together, we all got to baptize our wow. kids on the same day. So peer pressure I mean, was a good thing at that moment, that. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like get in the tub. Exactly. But you know, I hope for, I hope for people listen and they can hear, you know, um your walk is definitely very spirit led and what I mean is, you know, as an evangelist, I'll say, not a televangelist, but I'm very like, Darren, I was depressed, suicidal, want to die. Do you know the gospel? I'm very right there this day. You know how evangelists are. But so you, what you just yeah. said, your journey's been where this young couple were finding their identity. When you're 20 to 30, you think you know everything and it's not really a pride, it's a blindness. And that's maybe why yes. even your post came to mind to help you unpack a lot of where we're going to go. I know yeah. we only have about, you know, 45, 50 minutes or so. Yeah. But I guess in that, and just just people listening, we were laughing a minute ago, man, I want to do a whole thing, you know, on aliens and angels and the demonic with you. We'll do a thing in the Holy Spirit. But I guess to lead into where we're really going to go today and honor your time, um, people often say, you know, the church is just a building, it's just four walls, which is true. And then the Bible teaches us that the church is really a community of people, which we know in America... Our communities have a nine to five generally. So you're pastoring on a Sunday generally, and you might have midweek service. So for people listening, we've got to realize as Christians, you might have been like Darren, raised in the faith and rebelled. You're over the church. The way God helps us, helps me, helps Pastor Darren is by being in community with leadership structures for accountability, for love, to humble us. And so I'm just going to read Paul's verse out of Ephesians 4 for the Christians Mm. to hear this. And this is what God is speaking through the apostle paul ephesians 4 11 it says that god that's who we're talking about he gave apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers okay lord why did you give us them to equip the saints that is us for the work of the ministry that's our call very important to pastor darren as he's planning a church to build up the body of christ that's us again until we all attain the unity of the faith 
the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, meaning we're growing, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, amen, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning there's deception, by craftiness of deceitful schemes there's the enemy, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, and it goes on, and what it's basically saying is, Darren, you're planning in Long Beach, Brian, you're here, believers listening, you might not be a pastor or whatever, but you are part of the body of Christ, so so hearing this, one of the things I said to Pastor Darren is, picture just being on here with 12 young men or women, you're encouraging them, does anything jump out about that verse before I go there, because I'm going to throw some quotes back to you that you can just unpack for us, but... Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, you're describing something very unique. I love the book of Ephesians. I've taught through it a ton. It's mm. it's a unique book. Paul, in this passage, he's talking about you know Christ come, ascending, Christ giving gifts, which is different than the spiritual gifts, which I mm-hmm. think that's an interesting thing. Where So Christ is now giving gifts who aren't, this is not the same thing as the charismatic or the charis gifts yep. in Corinthians that Paul talks about, which are, they're like grace, graces, you know, you know, prophecy and those things manifest presence this, gifts are, yeah 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 these are people gifts to the local church Amen. so people gifts being the person of apostle prophet evangelist shepherd mm. teacher for the purpose of equipping the saints yep for the ministry so mm. oftentimes people think are like ministry you know i'm gonna go vocational ministry well i i first say everyone's a, if you're a follower of jesus you all you're all ministers you're Amen. all part you all have a ministry yep. if god calls you to be an equipper, like an, a pastor, teacher, apostle, prophet. Like when you're in India, like you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's pulling you from the front lines. Mm. There everyone else is in the front lines. You're you're now in the back going, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you water. I'm gonna get you the, mm. the ammunition you need. I'm gonna support the role you have in the place God's put you in mm. um, as you carry the ministry and steward the grace on your life. And so I love I love these you know I have done a lot of work on w- what we would call the Ephesians four gifts yep. um, because I think there's something beautiful about recognizing there's a model in the American evangelical world which is basically like pastor teacher that's the only role of leadership we've seen wow. but as you know there's other gifts evangelists yeah. like yeah. there's there's evangelists there's <laughs> prophets there's prophetic gifting that mm. that align people to the truth of God, to the heart of God, to the word for the moment. Yep. Um, it's it's different, you know, than just someone teaching scripture. There's a gift there. And there's the apostolic gift, which mm-hmm. there's a whole thing on that. But I love it. And I think you you nailed it. The point is for the maturing of the saints, the maturing mm-hmm. of the body so that we could grow in the fullness of Christ. Like, yeah. So I, I love this passage. I think it's very beautiful. And I think we need to recover, in my opinion, we need to recover yeah. partnership with the gifts. Yeah. Um, where you see biblically, like, you know, Paul operates apostolically. He's a herald of the gospel to the Gentiles, yeah. a proclaimer, a teacher to the Gentiles. And he part, he has partners. He has all the gifts himself, can, practically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's functioning in different places. Like in Athens, he's, he's, a, mm. a, you know, speaking in a unique way um, to the church in Athens. You know, he's arguing with the smartest people of his day. Marshall. And then he goes to Corinth and he's like, I know Christ crucified. I'm going to demonstrate the power of the kingdom. Like he, mm. he switches it, you know? So I, I, I love it anyways. Well, the reason I, I use this verse is so, yeah, but you know, 
English people, and this is so Americans, don't say, why does Brian always jump in? By my erring and yesing and amening, I'm affirming what you're saying. But I'm so glad you just said this because in America, typically the office is pastor teacher. So someone like me who's an yes. evangelist, I'll ask people, do you even know a staff evangelist? And they're like, uh, what does staff evangelists do? Paul raised support yeah. three times for specific reasons, but he only preached in the yeah. synagogue once a week. But once he was fully funded... I mean, he challenged the Corinthians, yeah. and this isn't a thing about fundraising, so I'm going to leave that there for now. I want to jump into this, but the heart is that pastors get beaten up, pastors come out of ministry. You and I both know people that have either been depressed, anxious, stressed, even taken their lives in the past few years. We can put so much pressure on ourselves. We can carry so much. Again, I know Darren's time is valuable, so... You'd posted a few things. I went back. I'm sure you've got a couple notes to give us. But your focus on the young pastor, and it sounds like these things may become a book, or I don't know, the way you've got them structured is a great skeleton, by the way. So maybe that's prophetic. But for the young pastor, this is the person that is excited to get into ministry. They're talking with whoever. This has got the Lord's put on me. It's you coming back from India. So many things can shake them. But one of the things you said is, Positions and roles within church ministry are not just stepping stones for something more important. Whatever you've been entrusted to is the most important ministry you will carry at that moment. Meaning daily, there's your Ephesians 2.10. What would you say to someone who's in that role looking to the bigger picture missing the day? Well, I would say first, my greatest regret. I have a couple regrets from leading the past 15 years. One of them is... Mm-hmm. always looking to the next thing. So, you know, I was working at Rock Harbor, felt called to plant. I'm leading a, a small group of 40 people out yep. of college. And there was so much life there, but it, I never got to enjoy mm-hmm. or really be in that space because I was always thinking about the next thing. And so like yep. you plant a church, it's like, I got to get to a 50. I got to get to a hundred. I got to get to 250. <laughs> and there, it's just going to keep moving. And whatever that is inside of you, Mm. Um, that's like some ambition is godly. Some of it is just competition and ungodly. It's just who you are. And you got to walk, you got to work that out because it's Mm. intertwined. So I would say to anyone that's like a youth pastor or a volunteer youth pastor who wants to have a job at a church and get a paycheck, I would just say, look, don't, don't try. Don't, don't think that the real ministry starts Mm. when you get a paycheck or the real ministry starts when you finally plant the church. Everything God has given you grace with, like it's in Mark, like whatever measure, you know, you've been given, like Mm. more will be given or you'll lose. Like, in other words, like there's a stewardship that's required of your life and the resources God's giving you. So if you have 12 Mm. people in your youth group, give the best exegetical sermons, pastor them, show up to their, you know, their games, Mm -hmm. be best youth pastor and let that be enough because that is sacrifice. That is worship. That is where God cultivates your seminary for whatever else is, whatever else is next. Yeah. So, so often we're, we're just, we think the next thing is the real thing and that's just not true. Mm-hmm. So be present to where you are use every opportunity to just be um, using what God's placed in front of you and what he's entrusted you with yeah. as, as enough, as the purpose, as the, the most important thing. Yeah, because the lead pastor has prepped that week. He might have had a couple of meetings. He's going to go on the stage and we go, oh, look at him. It's Sunday. But the person that's sitting there, maybe carrying the chairs afterwards, that is going to be asked five questions immediately if they're available. And the other thing what pastor is saying is that that's really where Jesus is meeting you daily, whether it's him giving out donuts. I mean, 
I'm just the hugger. I'm the person who's the greeter. Yeah. I'm around everyone all the time. So I'm always like, here's some Jesus. Yeah. Um, and you quoted it, but in Luke, it says, Luke 16, 10, one who is faithful in very little can also be faithful in much. God yeah. can't expand your territories because they're really his territories anyway. Yeah. Um, There's a line. I just read a book called Unreasonable Hospitality, which is a book about a guy who owns one of the best restaurants in the world. Mm. But he talks, he quotes somebody saying like, people don't remember what you said or what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Mm. I just read a blog from someone because we just moved our church. We finally have our own building. We've never had a building. Um, And someone wrote a blog and it was about her first time coming to church. And she didn't talk about the sermon. She didn't talk about the worship set. She talked about a greeter who made her feel welcome. Now, what's Mm. interesting, it was was actually my mom. Wow. My mom is the most hospitable person in the world. So she has a grace on her life. Hmm. to greet people. And if you come to my church, you know, that's Darren's mom Um, because you'll know she's the most hospitable. She's the most welcoming. She's the first person you're going to see back in the day when we started our church, we didn't have funds for coffee. She brought coffee, you know, she'd bring the donuts. She, so, so that Hmm. is her grace. Like she's never preached on Sunday. She's never led a Bible study. She doesn't lead a house church, but she Hmm. is functioning in her gift set and People write blogs about it. So there you go. <laughs> well, you know, the old church I was part of, it was a lot of um, recovery and people who come off of heroin, crack, I mean, like strippers, they don't yes. want to be touched. And so there's Brian, the zealous skateboard, like, what's up? Yes, and then totally. what's crazy is their family would show up. Their family would show up like months later and they'd be like, um, you know, he was left for dead and here he is hugging us, loving on us. How does he know so many yes. people? So, all right, second thing, right? If you're called a shepherd, God's flock, you will carry a burden. Just make sure you are only carrying what Jesus has asked you to carry. You kind of hit on that, but what does that mean to take on and say, I've got to have these goals? Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, so all of these quotes are are uh, from pain, you know? So wow. I, I always tell people it's interesting, you know, and I'm, I might have said this, I don't remember in the post, but I, mm. I said the fastest way to maturity is suffering. Um, And so I think when you lead anything, it's a burden. So if if you get married, there's a bigger burden to taking responsibility for your wife or you have kids, you now have more responsibility. You let's say you're at a job and you become a manager, you have more responsibility or you become a pastor or you become the lead pastor. Everyone wants to be a lead pastor. I'm like, man, (laughs) I don't wish church planning on anyone. And I don't wish lead pastoring on anyone because at the end of the day, there is a a burden that will Mm -hmm. always hit you. And so Mm. I've had to navigate this going, what is, what is, what has Jesus asked me to carry? And what are things that I carry because my personality my mindset, my background, my, my natural, my flesh, my sinful nature wants me to, wants me to hold on to. Right. So Mm. this could be at your job, like, Hey, I get paid to do this thing, but then you're burdened and you're doing all these additional things that are unnecessarily burdening your life. For example, I'll give you a fresh example. Let's say someone, um, I'll give you a pastor example, right? Somebody <laughs> writes, I, I preach, you know, preach sermon. And most of the people don't comment, Hey, you did a great sermon on Sunday. Most of the emails are going to be, Hey, I heard you say this. I don't mean to be, you know, <laughs> criticizing, but here's an essay of all the things that you said that and 65 scriptures, right? Yeah. 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 So imagine, you know what I'll call, I'll call that a paper cut. Imagine just collecting paper cuts where now you go to the pulpit and 
if you don't do the work of releasing that with Jesus, forgiving that person if it caused offense, if it, mm. if you were offended, um, you're going to carry unnecessary burdens. So then you're going to be you're going to withhold something God might want you to say. It might be offensive, and you might get an email, but you'll hold back. Mm. Um, I've I've done that in the past, or or you'll you'll what you'll do is you'll be quick to apologize. And, and then, and then just try to make them happy mm. rather than saying, actually, this is the truth. And yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, or, or, or even just recognize like this, for, for example, this critique has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with how they're experiencing life right now. Um, so I've learned a lot, like yeah, yeah. one more example. I, no, I was good. recently given, um, somebody commented on Instagram about, I made, I posted something, they, they made a comment and, and they were commenting about how we were shut down during COVID. Cause we, we were in LA County. We didn't have our own building. We couldn't yeah. get for 14 months. And I'm like, my, my point was, Hey, no pastor had ever pastored through a pandemic. Yeah. And in LA County, we were the most locked down County in the United States. Yeah. Um, and because we didn't have facilities, I tried, you know, we couldn't gather when, when we were able to gather. So there was a lot of association, tons of people left, but this person brought all this like anger about a comment, you know, three years later, two and a half years later. And normally I'd be quick to, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to be witty, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm just revealing the nature. And I just sat with it and I was like, Lord, what, what's true here? And I heard as clear as day go, he's hurting and don't defend your decision. Ask him mm. what happened during lockdown. And then he reveals to me all this pain. And you were able and to like, pastor have, meet him where he is. Oh, and it's like, rather than debate this stupid post, which was in, irrelevant, mm -hmm. it was like, you were hurting and you didn't have people. Um, yeah. And so if we're not careful, we'll carry these burdens that prevent us from actually doing Amen. our job. You know, and I'm sure people listening can Jesus hear this now and think of their own, because I know for us, we meet in a senior center. I'm not the lead pastor. I say it every week. Anyone listening, I do not envy eldership and leader, leaders yeah. because I go up there and speak and they're like, look at his dorky beard on his face. Who's he think he is, Fred Durst? Or, you know, whoever. You just yeah. get, I'll tell you, I've said it before. I went to speak at a church one time. I flew in. I come in and they're all laughing. And I go, what are you guys laughing at? You know, because I'm getting another team. And they said, this is the note we got from Sunday. And on Sunday on the napkin, someone wrote, what the bleep and bleep and bleep? Why are you always out of onion bagels? And I was like, so that's what your staff are getting that, as a, so. A hundred percent. Don't and, and stop. That's, that's the sadness of, of the church. Like we are the people of God. We the, like, I, okay. This is a side. Yeah. I talk about this all the time. Pastors need to stop leading churches based on the expectations of people. Right. And they need to start leading churches based on the commands of scripture. Yeah. If people come to me and go, Oh, you don't have this in your ministry, I'm like, Hey, my job as a pastor is to help you die well. Yeah. yeah. Jesus says, Death to self. Yeah. Like, if you don't take up your cross, and if you are pastoring out of insecurity, making people happy, yep. you will never be the right ministry. You'll never have enough ministries. Mm. You'll never have enough leadership. You won't have the right onion bagels. And you won't yeah. have cold coffee. They're nasty the anyway. Coffee who wants, who yeah. wants onion? They should be interceding for that guy. And there was a quote I was going to use where a guy, I forget his name now, wasn't really that known, but he'd said, if you bend the knee to everyone in the church, you will go from sheep to a wolf. And we're not here to beat yeah. up the congregation. I'm the congregation. Yeah. But what pastor yeah. is saying is Jesus said my yoke is easy my burden is light that should yeah. be a caring and i know for you know my pastor andrew for other people i'm so defensive now not over what people say but just to kind of protect them because i know yes. what you guys go through and um, let's see this is amazing though yeah. enjoy friendships with the church 
build relationships. It's not about power. It's about keeping your heart soft and vulnerable, being human and not performing a role. You kind of hit on that. But how practically do you do that then? Someone comes in the church, they're burdened. Maybe they're hyper-reformed or they want to see the gifts every week. And they're just a tech. Where's this? What's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) All the above. But I'm just saying, so how do you juggle through that? You go, I'm going to keep my heart soft and loving because I don't want to just view them as people I navigate. How do I continue on? So, Well, one, let me qualify. You will always play a role. Like there will all, you will always be a pastor. Like I go to parties or I go to someone's Mm. house for Super Bowl. It's, it's inevitable. I play paintballing for someone's son's, you know, my friend's son's, you know, uh, birthday and, they're like, well, you're a pastor. Like, there's just like this. There's a thing that that will inevitably follow you, right? Yeah. But I think um, so. That that's one. So just know that you're. And there are times where you need that role. Like, you're going to go to the funeral. You're going to go to the hospital. You're not going to want to go and pray before somebody dies. Yeah. But you're going to pray, and you're going to comfort the family. Like, that's mm. the role. And and I honor that space. I always want to lead from that place. But at the same time, you are not. You are not the role, right? So. You are a son or a daughter. You are a beloved child of God. You are a husband. You are a father. You are a friend. And, you know, I've heard this rhetoric of like, you can't be friends with people in the church. And I think that's just BS to say, to be honest. I think Mm -hmm. that's that's just absolute BS because success in the kingdom is healthy relationships. Like we live with a, a, from the Trinitarian perspective, which is a community of love in himself. God is a community of love. So we should absolutely function from healthy relationship which requires intimacy, vulnerability. It requires confrontation. It requires conflict. Mm. It requires consistency, all these things. And if you just play a role, then people don't have access to the real you. So vulnerability mm. is essential to leadership in this stuff. I would say there's, there's, some, there's some lessons. That's good. In the hard yeah. um, if you were to imagine like in, uh, circles within each other, like, so like the center and then another one and then another one and then another one, I would say, you know, your center, you'll have, you'll have a few really intimate relationships like your spouse mm-hmm. and then your covenant bros like or or gals like you're talking yeah. three to five people that know you that celebrate you that that hold yeah. a mirror up and say this is not true of you this is true of you like call out your sin mm. there there there's a small circle of people that have access to that area of your heart yeah and then there's a, a there's another circle which probably has another 12 or so of people that you're really close with but maybe don't have direct access to those things and then there's a larger circle of like the community where it's, I would say like 70 something probably yeah. is what you have yeah. closer relationships. And then there's, you know, 150 to 200 part of the congregation crowd. Mm. Um, what's hard about this is in our social media world, we think everyone thinks they have access to the three to five or even the 12, but they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so the question is, you know, <laughs> who do you let into that inner space? Like, and that that's the real stewardship piece where yeah. there have been times in the past where I've let people into this place. And they've betrayed me and they've caused harm. They, mm. they were, they were not looking for my best interest. They didn't stick around when things got hard. Yeah. Um, they had a lot of unhealthy expectations. So just knowing the dynamic of those intrinsic circles and who gets into the center and, mm. and protect yourself from, from wounds by not letting everyone have access. But you're saying go to church, be available, be open. Sadly, you sometimes have it where the pastor's in and out and he's gone. But obviously, you know, you know, Chris Veenan, he shared years ago when they planted like what? 80 churches or something crazy. He said, one of the things we did when we were young was people would show up and we'd be like, hey, 
this is the church. It's like 10 of my friends going to the garden to help plant with you. And then in two yeah. years, a bunch of them leave and you're like, what? And Chris's point was, God will send you people that are there for six months, a year, two years, because yep. they need to be there to get you going. And then God needs yes. to use them somewhere else. If we're always yes. building our own team and holding on to it, we can miss it. So, yeah. and just, just a couple of verses, you know, I, I feel like we gonna have to do a three-part series because we could just go, Let's I go could tell, yeah. <laughs> same time tomorrow. But, but yeah. Acts 20, 28, two of the leaders were hearing, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock yes. of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So something in God made Pastor Darren an overseer, made me an evangelist, which I have this unction that if I'm sitting in a meeting with you and your 12, your team today, you know, Jesus had his three, Peter, James, and John. They were close. Mount of Transfiguration there in the garden. He had his 12. Obviously, the three were to be trained up to continue his preaching, teaching, yoke, but then he had the rest. But if I'm sitting in a meeting with you today and everyone's given their input, as an evangelist, I'm thinking, but where's the gospel? What do we do with people who come to faith? And then you as a pastor would go, this is the gift Brian has given to me as a community. Hey, where's the evangelistic part? Because you might be thinking three, five, 10, 20 year pastor. I'm thinking yeah. evangelism. And yes. to help people understand this, I've heard it said like this. All the prophets want to do crazy stuff, so expect crazy things at times. I'm not saying goofy, radical, and biblical, adding to the canon. Yeah. Apostles in the sense of not walked with Jesus, but are have that gifting today are going yeah. to structure and plan pastors are thinking long term and evangelists are like today's the day so keep watch over yourselves be shepherds of the church of god which he bought with his own blood so we have to help encourage one another and in hebrews to the congregation this is to people who are challenging leaders have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account do this so yeah. their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit. Now, that's a verse that's loaded because I came yeah. to faith in a Pentecostal church where they would share this book, The Armor Bearer, and it was just you submit to whatever anyone leader does, and it wasn't yeah. written to abuse you, but it was like, well, yeah. pastor says this, so we're doing it. How do you yeah. walk in that submission where we've caught your heart being submitted to the Lord and through humility, it sounds like in some battles, you've said, yes. wait a minute, but how does a congregation hear this? They attend the garden or suddenly God calls me to plant a church. How do they submit to the authority in a biblical sense? What's that look like? Oh man. Well, okay. That's very <laughs> complex. So, I, but I want to break it down because you know, this idea of submission is, yeah. is a military term in, in the Bible. So the idea, like if you go to Ephesians chapter mm -hmm. five, um, there's this, there's five things that a spirit filled church has. Mm. Um, and if you follow it, it says like, don't get drunk off one, which leads to debauchery and said, be filled with spirit. And then he goes on to give you five things, speaking to one another with Psalms, hymns and songs from the spirit, singing, make music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for, uh, to God for all things. So there's four. The fifth one is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that, yeah. that actually in the Greek, that's the fifth piece, right? And then it yeah. goes on to talk about wives and your husbands. But in a spirit-filled community, what you have is mutual submission. That's the phrase, mutual submission, yeah. which is this military term for a military general. Like they comes into a village and wants to recruit an army. Um, you, the person that's being recruited would, the Greek word here, would, would, would submit. They would mm -hmm. place their well-being under the leadership of the general. Mm -hmm. Now, they were, this was a common practice for the Roman Empire. This is a common practice back in the day. Yeah. So, the idea is you're not you're not being forced to submit. So this is where I really have a hard time. So 
That's the idea where, first of all, the spirit comes into our community. This is what's happening. We're going to have relationships based on out of reverence for Christ, out Mm -hmm. of our intimacy with God. We're going to be willingly placing our well-being under the other person. This is Philippians uh, Philippians chapter 2, have the mind of Christ, the nature of Christ, which was a a servant. Um, So out of of that, so first, so that's one. Second, I would say one of the problems I have is that the church talks about a, a submission and authority in a way that's unchristlike. Christ, what does he do with power and authority? Like mm-hmm. the ultimate illustration is in John chapter 13. It, mm-hmm. He's having a meal with his disciples. And Jesus realizes that all authority in heaven has been given to him. Yeah. So at that moment, he knows, all right, it's here. I'm holding all of the authority in heaven. And he gets up, takes off his outer clothes, and he he washes his disciples' feet. Yeah. So what does that say? When Jesus has the awareness of power and authority, access to do things, mm-hmm. right? Access to do anything. It isn't command submission. Legions of angels divide the sea. He could do Just, anything. Yeah. What does he do? He takes his power to empower. Yeah. He uses his power. He uses yeah. his, his authority to model what kingdom power looks like, which is mm-hmm. self-sacrifice. Yeah. So so for me, when pastors, what we've done is we we haven't followed the the image of the saint anymore. Like back in the day, the church yeah. would make and this, they would follow saints. They would write testimonies of saints, right? We would, we would look to saints as models to follow in the Christian faith. Yeah. Now we follow celebrities. Yep. And yeah. like, look at the difference. So we dress like celebrities rather than dress <laughs> our, our inner lives like saints, you know? And, and so I, I wonder if, if perhaps mm-hmm. like the, you know Jesus wants to flip over the table of power, authority, and structures yeah. of hierarchy that are harmful. When when I think of hierarchy yeah. of the church, I think of you know Paul's hierarchy. Um, look at his writings. Like Paul is saying, when he was with churches, he was building tents, making yeah. tents for a living. He wasn't using what he could have, and then he 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 comes with authority to correct doctrine. Yeah. But he's doing it from a loving parent. He's a servant leader who's bold. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if a pastor is, you know, submit to my authority, you're already so far away from the biblical truth. Yeah. It's a pastor, excuse me. Yeah. Who's willingly submitting. Mm Mm-hmm. To other people and grab water. Well, so he submitted already. It's like me coming to your church. Here's my pastor. Here's what he's doing. I'm submitted to the vision. So I'm coming here to serve alongside you. And I had seen a video, you know, where I think, I don't know if it was Preston Sprinkle or someone, they were talking to Gary Bashirs, and he talked about when there's elders, yeah. how he has them go up on the stage and they wear like an, um, a wet cloak almost because it's for washing feet. And so you have Christ who said, I came not to, to be served, but to serve. So... Yeah. There is an authority and leadership. Hey, Pastor Darren, we should be doing this. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's the vision God has given me. Here's where our elders yeah. are. Brian, are you yeah. in this to be submitted? Because when the general goes into the village, his goal yeah. is to protect the village, lead the village. So there needs to be right. Paul, who wasn't a great speaker, but he was brilliant. You know, um, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, you know, circumcised the eighth day. We got his qualifications. Yeah. But he was humble, but he was bold in what was true. And I'm hearing that in yeah. you now. The authority of the scripture, probably the word. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to jump into a couple more because we could go all day. Yeah, um, church planner. This is the person who's planning the church. Character governs your call to ministry. Your Christ likeness is your gift to the world. 
So seeing that, I would say, here's Darren at 20, here's Darren today. You've confessed sharing openly, man, some of these things were battles and things that were almost burdens. And how is your character then bears the fruit of being like Christ, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a modification from Dallas Willard who said, like, the greatest mm. gift you can give the world, your church, your spouse, you know, mm. is who you become in Christ. And so Amen. you think about, like, the, the way we, like, I'll just, I'm going to do, like, a, 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 for lack of, I'm just going to give a generalization. Yeah. It seems like we celebrate ministries that are successful based on the size. Meanwhile, so that's the ends. Meanwhile, the means at which they got there looks nothing like Jesus. You know, it's 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 rage issues, it's power domination, it's abuse, it's um, sexual immorality. So when I look at you know what Christ models, hmm. it is absolute surrender to the will of God. I was reading in Mark today, and it was just um, you know Jesus saying, "Not my will, but yours." Like I, he's willingly submitting to the will of God of the yeah. Father, and. You know, in and how Jesus does ministry is is a reflection of his character. So how does somebody get nailed to a cross in a death that is the most brutal death, mm. who is innocent and there's no justification for his death whatsoever? Mm. Yet his only response in the worst thing that could ever happen to you is Father, forgive them. Like how is it that a person is formed and you can't just say, Oh, he's God. No, he was formed in a character in his life for 33 years that mm. his only response could be blessing and forgiveness. Yeah. So if that's our model, our, our vision, yeah. then that, then, then what we have to say is like how we get to success needs to look like his mm-hmm. route. It needs to be um, obedience to the Lord. It needs to be full of holiness mm. You need to be a person who says what they mean and means what they say, who yeah. is not hypocritical, who, who, so, okay, I'm saying all that. You're like, yeah, but I'm, I'm full of sin. I'm full of rage. I'm full of anger. I react to my kids inappropriately. <laughs> I, like this is all true of this week. Right. So for me, so at, all I'm saying is mm. let's make sure that we are confessing our sin, that we're deeply aware that we're not giving excuse for those behaviors, which are not Christ-like. I was reading in Revelation yeah. that nothing impure will go into the Holy City. And I was yeah. just like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. like how much impurity do I bring into my fa- my household? Mm-hmm. You know? And um, so, so at the end of the day, I just, I want, I want pastors and, and all those posts, by the way, it's just yeah. that I'm trying to change the goalposts. Like yeah. we need to change the goalposts of what success looks like. We can't, we can't just keep thinking that because you have 10,000 people following on Instagram or yeah. you know, 100,000 people live streaming your services, like that doesn't necessarily mean success. Like, that's ob- you know, and I'm like, that doesn't well, mean Well, I often joke that. and I say, if, if success is the goal, then we should all be doing what Joel Osteen is doing. And, yes. and listen, I ran into Joel in a mall. He was part of our old church. He came in a couple of times. They were friends with him. He was in a mall by himself. I was eating with my family. I got up, went and talked to him. Had a very loving and as an evangelist conversation, I won't go into it too much, but I was just like, man, God has given you a gift, given you a platform. His dad, John Osteen, go put him on YouTube. I said, your dad is a fiery preacher. Focus on the gospel. But you're saying then in in all of this, um, it's the character of who you are because it's Romans 8, 28, 29. We're being shaped into the image of Christ. And if I'm in Long Beach thinking of a church or if I'm wherever hearing a pastor talk like you, I'm like, what this gentleman's saying to me is, 
he's going to have bad days where he comes home and's like, really, I raised my voice then, or I wanted yeah. to kick the dog, or someone, yeah. you know, cut me off, and I didn't use that figure, but I'm human. But he realizes he's being shaped into the image of Christ because none of it, none of your works is why you're, you're made holy. It's all yeah. his blood. 100%. But in that. I love what Dallas Willard says too. He says, grace is not opposed to eff, uh, effort. Yeah. Grace is opposed to earning. So we don't earn a greater place with God by yeah. the process of partnership with the Holy Spirit in our sanctification. So yep. spiritual formation, that word discipleship to Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, like the, the total transformation to glory that Paul talks about in first Corinthians about, yep. um, you know, being transformed. I, I think for pastors, we, we just need to recognize that holiness matters. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think I got to steward my platform, which is growing with, you know, influence and all these things, and you're not stewarding the character of, of what your life looks like when the lights are off and no one's home, yeah. Like if you think, you know, the people following you on online are more important than the person that you are becoming, we will continue to see yeah. these kinds of movements that keep collapsing under the weight of people justifying the means for the ends. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. all I'm saying is we need to, yeah. we need to recognize that the ends never justify the means. How, like Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Yeah. We can't sell Jesus truth. And forget the Jesus way. Like the way Jesus did something was as important as what he was saying. He embodied it. And we need to get back to that. And let me just say this, um, folks listening, I've been a Christian since 2004. If you don't know much, you jumped in because you know Pastor Darren, married, divorced, suicidal, came to faith, God restored it all. You know, that woman I'm remarried to in the other room, my three kids, thank you, Jesus. But I want you to realize Jesus's ministry was three and a half years that was yes. it. That's shorter than a president's term. So for yes. anyone listening for the next 20, 30, 60 years, or, you know, if these seals supposedly are popping off soon, you know, whatever, three to yeah. seven years, who knows? Um, who knows? That's another conversation there. Yeah. Um, but literally, to, revelation. Yeah, yeah. But literally today, where is workmanship? Whatever you're doing, the Holy Spirit leading and the word yeah. of God's available. You've just heard a pastor there saying he was already in Mark today, Revelation the other day. I always tell yeah. people, it's not divine appointments. Every moment is divine. How many guys never yeah. have enough time and they raise their hand? You have exactly enough time to do exactly what you're called to do. But I'm saying yeah. this to say, as we live this all out and stepping into it, what would you just say to people that are discouraged then who are looking at this and saying, I'm done with the church, I'm done with community, and the church has burdened me. How should they come to understand pastors now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, yeah. I would say to them, I'm so sorry. I'm, I get it. Like, I'm sorry that the church continues to look imperfect. It will always be imperfect until Christ mm. comes back. Mm. Um, and I'm sorry that you were hurt by pastors. And And the reality is it's hard to, in this deconstruction era, it's so easy to lump in the church mm. um, or all pastors in this, ju- you know, kind of this uh, uh, impersonal reality. But the reality is a person hurt you. People hurt you. Um, that you've associated to an institution. you And I would say, look, mm. you need to process that pain. You need to grieve that loss, process the betrayal, disassociate people from God. It's so easy to, to say, well, that pastor represented Jesus to me, so therefore God's like this. And that's not true, you know? So we are all broken people and we're all gonna, we're gonna, I say this a lot to our, to our church, like we're not perfect, we're gonna get it wrong. And mm. 
we're going to stay humble and apologize when we get it wrong, which is why I've had to preach sermons differently. I'll go back because I preached a sermon that I'm like, you know what? That's not true. I realize now seven years later, that was, I need to go back and re-preach. Mm. So I've done that. I've apologized to our staff regularly because I, mm. I'll be quick and I'll mess it up and I'll call them. Um, I'll tell you that story in a second yeah, about yeah. my conversation with my worship pastor on Christmas Eve. <laughs> um, but I, so I would say to you, do the work to grieve and to process the pain. Second, mm-hmm. um, I would recognize that you cannot follow Jesus apart from a church. Amen. Like there is no such thing as discipleship without community. Like there's 59 commands in the New Testament for loving, like one another commands is what they're called. Mm. In other words, you can't do any of those without one another. And yeah. so at some point you have to recognize that you're called to um, the church, you're yeah. part of the church. Christ died for the church. There's no other plan. That is the plan. Like Christ, yeah. it says in Ephesians that he's going to bring everything under the, his, uh, into unity under his Lordship and Amen. through the church. Yeah. So, so you have to just recognize like, there's no you yourself in Jesus. There's you yourself in the church. Um, so find a community, yeah. know it's imperfect, commit to it. When it, when it comes, when the warts and bruises and things come out, just covenant, work through it. Make sure yeah. you're, you're working through your issues. You had a part to play in it. Um, and Hebrews says, Hebrews says, yeah. don't forsake gathering together that you may stir up love. If I'd read something yeah. you'd posted or I'd seen your wife give me a funny look at the supermarket, I don't think I've ever met your wife anyway. And I'm like, I'm not going to this church. And God's like, go and stir up love because you're a dork, yeah. Brian. You're a kook, Brian. You know, we're going yeah. to church as consumers. Hey, I'll take a donut or two. I, I like when the coffee's good. I don't like onion, don't, onion, yeah. whatever that guy was mad about. I'm with but, you. But then, okay, what does this book mean to you? The Pastor. The Pastor. If you're not looking online, The Pastor by Eugene Peterson. Uh, I literally grabbed I, it out today. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> uh, well, Eugene Peterson has helped reshape my my view of pastoral ministry. I think it's so, and I would say I have an apostolic calling. Like mm. I, I would say that's, that's part of it. I, I lean in the prophetic, but I, I believe God's given me a local pastoral calling as well. So I have these tensions, but when I think about the role of a pastor, yeah, I think it's a lost art where we, 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 he, he shapes like he's written several pastoral spiritual books, pastoral theology books, which I yeah. recommend. Like that biography is so encouraging. Yeah. But it's for me or um or his his autobiography, like the working angles he wrote he wrote um uh the contemplative pastor, he's written uh, five smooth stones. Um his work has helped shape what I think is a long term goal for pastoral ministry, committing mm-hmm. to people over a long period of time. So this is one of the first books I would just give to anyone because what he does is he he kind of punches you in the gut with love and helps you understand from a Pentecostal to a more conservative to all these views. He's gone on to be with the Lord, but guys, get the book, go on Amazon today. The pastor, I don't get nothing from it. I'm just trying to encourage you. I know you got to go in a second, but preaching, how do you navigate? Okay, what we're in Thursday? Are you preaching this weekend? Yeah. So help me as a young pastor saying, what do I do? How did your week get you to what you'll be doing in the pulpit this week? How many hours? What did you read? How yeah. much prayer? All that for a moment. Because that's the most important oh, as man. well as loving people. Okay. So first of all, <laughs> I've been preaching to our congregation for over 14 years. So, you know, you're talking years of developing both a craft, a process, study. Yeah. So I, I never have a blank screen, you know, but there were 
years of blank screens, right? So mm. I remember one of my mentors who taught me how to preach was, he was always like, Darren, there's going to be a time when Sundays is going to be like a tip of the cup of creativity and energy. Um, but right now you're just dumping it out. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And so, <laughs> so I could just say, stick to a process, find a process. So I would encourage every young preacher out there to say, you're, you're, don't, don't think you're going to write in one day. Um, or just do all of your study in one day. I would just mm-hmm. do block scheduling. So you're going to say, for me, morning time is the ideal time. So the first couple, like hour and a half, two hours, you just block it out every day if you have the freedom to do that, where you're just studying, you're preparing, you're writing notes, you're, you're researching. I, I do a whole thing on this. Mm. Um, but you just know that it's going to, there's a process. You need to create a process and commit to it. Yeah. So for me, my process is I, I do series based on the on Bible um, passages, if I'll do expository through the books of the Bible, or I'll do topical, even if I do topical, I'm preaching expository. So I'm anchoring it in, in, in the biblical Amen. text first, and then going from there. Um, so this week is odd, because I took three days off, two and a half days. So I worked for half, you know, part of a day. Um, so I didn't have the time. But what I've realized is that, you know, you, you are, you are always preparing. Mm-hmm. as a pastor. So some of the best moments for creativity are not when I'm in my, you know, on my computer typing out or, in, or even just taking the, what I've read in commentaries. Yeah, the commentary, like everything's, yeah. It's, it's a walk, you know, I went on a run and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I connected the dots. So I'm always, yeah. I always have my phone on me Yeah. in those moments to be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta write those things down. Um, <laughs> I have, I have a whole thing, so it's hard to go through it, but I would say create a process that allows you to study and journal or, or take notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit every single day. And then at some point, whatever days you have off, do not touch it. So yeah. I call it the marinade. So Friday, Saturday, I don't touch my sermon ever. Now I work Sunday through Thursday. I don't touch my sermon. Even if I want to, I will. I might mm-hmm. write it in a, a separate note, like a journal, but I won't go to my sermon. I, I try to let it marinate and get inside of me. So, so much of my, I believe a pastor needs to be incarnational preaching. I mean, it needs, the word needs to do something in you. We need to study for encounter. Yeah. We, need to, we need to preach for transformation, not for mm-hmm. a good information. And so take a little bit every day. And then as you craft your sermon, um, you're editing it. And then Sunday morning, you know, like get to a Sunday morning where you've prayed over it. You've, mm. you've processed it. You've been, it's in you like, but you know why it's amazing? Because I've got a couple. Let's see. You said simple, authentic preaching of the word and demonstrating God's power is better than production value, set designs, clever alliterations or websites. So all that fluff, when you, you know, when you've been in this as long yeah. as you have, I've probably preached thousands of sermons. I, I, I go speak yeah. at churches I've never met and I'll speak seven sermons. Yeah. I don't mind yeah. lights. I don't mind smoke machines. I mean, I've been yeah. in Australia with this baby kangaroos and, and it's all like fun for the youth. None of that yeah, gets in the way to me, but if I'm preaching no. the word of God and I want you to hear what pastor is saying, because we kind of came out of the same process, right? In Rock Harbor, yeah. Um, yeah. Sunday's done, Monday everyone's off. Then there'd be five or yeah. six campuses. We would all go have teach team. We'd all sit in a room yeah. on a Tuesday. We'd all pray. People would open yeah. up the text. Maybe we're in the Holy Spirit, yeah. so that's more topical. Yeah. We'd read commentaries. We'd take notes. You'd yeah. go have your meetings the rest of the day, whatever, but you'd let it marinate. I'd go on a bike yes. ride. I'd go on a walk. I'd be talking yeah. to you. If I said right now, download yeah. your sermon to me, just you saying it to me yeah. is helping yeah. you preach. My buddy who worked on my house the other day, the wood floor, he's preaching on Sunday. And I said, what are you preaching on? And as he's telling my wife, I'm like, babe, I'm just helping him get his preach out right here. So, so it's good. the word, yeah. but it's, it's letting the Lord yeah. shape you. And a lot of your notes have been saying, 
And we know this, but I'm trying to get people to see this. It's spending time with the Lord. We're not preaching something contrary to the scripture, but that one verse had an influence in yes. Pastor Darren's life in some way. When he shares a brief story about that, that's real. Yes. That's what we see in Peter, yeah. James, John. We see it in the apostles. So yeah. and I'll say this, 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. That's it. Francis Chan said, the irony is that while God doesn't need us, but still wants us, we desperately need God, but don't really want him most of the time. So mm. what would you just say in closing some thoughts on him? All the fluff and that that comes with ministry, but what's the foundation? Yeah. What you would encourage us with yet? Um, I would, if there's one thing I could leave, it would just be to learn to love Jesus and mm -hmm. to bring your affection to God. I, I think I, I'm sitting with regret. You know, we have this building and we mm -hmm. have growth and structure. You know, it started with three people is now this big thing. And I know that if, there have been seasons in my life where I had forsaken my first love. Now the gift is repentance and mm. re coming back to Jesus going, I want to be Mary. I don't want to be Martha. I want to sit at your feet. I want to, Luke I want to attend to you. I want to love your word. I want to love mm. you and, and worship you. And cause we can get really good at preaching. We can get, we can build conferences. We can write books. We can get our name out there. We can write, you know, do mm -hmm. cohorts and, I, you know, I've done all of those things and I've seen all those things. I haven't done mm. all those things, but I know that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what will last forever mm. is not your Twitter account, not your following, <laughs> but you worshiping Jesus, you worshiping Amen. God. And so if you, as a young leader or as, as, as a skater or, mm. you know, a business entrepreneur, it, like the thing that will last is not your success in those things it yeah. will be your life with god so tend to your life with god mm. um and then tend to your relationships so mm. love god this is so simple learn to love him not not like christian cliche hallmark like bring your love <laughs> to god and then love people really well like mm. the meaning of life is relationship and so love people well and treat your children as um you know, eternal beings that are going to, or, you know, they're going to last for eternity mm. and your, your, your spouse cultivate that relationship. So you don't have any regrets there. So love God, love others. Well, that's it. So love Lord yeah. God with everything, love your neighbor. I do feel like yeah. though, this, I'm praying if you could pray us out in a moment, I feel like when you said, you know, yeah. that there's a burden that sits with you and there's, there's that state of repentance, people listening, you are saying, I cooked it here. I bailed on this ministry. I'm doing this wrong. The goodness of the Lord leads you to repentance. Darren just said that repentance kindness, is a gift. Kindness. It's his kindness. So the yeah. Lord is convicting if there's things you've said or done. Yeah. This might be some silly podcast. Who's this English guy and this guy from yeah. Long Beach? The Lord yeah. can lead you to something profound through what he's speaking to your heart. Yeah. But would you just pray for maybe pastors or those yeah. going to ministry or wherever with, yeah. with where they just feel inadequate because we are and the Holy Spirit's yeah. power, Acts 1-8. So, and then we'll close up. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Yeah, for sure. Father, I thank you for the gift of friendship. Thank you for this podcast and Brian, his heart, Lord, of just his humility to be a gift that can be received or rejected to those listening. And I pray now that your grace, Jesus, would extend to everyone who hears this. I pray right now that you would give an encounter, more than information, more than good ideas, that you would encounter the people listening to re re rem 
to step into grace and to forgiveness and freedom and wholeness. I pray for um, steel convictions to guide and protect leadership decisions moving yes, forward, Lord. that character would govern ministry. I pray, Lord, for those that are feeling convicted about things they've pursued that are not of you. I just pray, Lord, you bring them into a place of response right now, that they would mm. choose today to live the way they were intended to be in the first place in your grace. So God, I pray your power, your anointing, and your freedom. I pray a new generation of pastors be released mm. that steward grace and people well, that don't make it about themselves, don't make brands mm. or platforms, but make it about you, Jesus, that they wouldn't try to be famous. They would, that they would make you famous, God. Um, so Lord, I pray that we would be in, in the words of John, we'd be famous for love, Mm. um, our love for you and love for each other in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Guys, um, thank you for listening. Um, grace and mercy is renewed every day for a reason because we need it. If you do not know the Lord, he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for the sins of the world. We can freely repent, enter the kingdom. Brother, thank you so much. I'm already going to email you before I get done Great. today for the next five things we're going to talk about because this was too easy Let's and go too well. Amen, bro. Um, <laughs> to those listening, First Corinthians 1.18. The Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. The name of this podcast to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. I love you, brother. I appreciate you. Be praying for Pastor Darren. What's the website really quick? There we go. Just garden.church. Garden.church. And your Instagram, because people will want to encourage you. Yeah, yeah. My, it's Darren R. Darren R. R-E-N-R. Darren okay. R. And I'll put all the links yeah. below. Get into your yeah. meeting. Bless Thank those you, people. Bro. Amen. Thank appreciate you, you. God bless you guys. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>